Today's show is brought to you by the Columbiana Barbershop. Get your haircut by the great staff at the Columbiana Barbershop, located at 131 North Main Street, just south of Ace Hardware in Columbiana. Schedule online at www.columbianabarbershop.com or call 330-892-6022. That's columbianabarbershop.com to book now. Hello, and welcome back to Columbiana Hot Talk. We're very excited to bring to you our next guest. Some of you may know him just by the description. He's a five-in-a-row reigning Grand National cross-country champion, working on his sixth consecutive championship right now. Very nice guy, taking a little bit of time out of his busy schedule to have an interview with us. He's from our own backyard. A Columbiana graduate from 2011. He's a Yamaha back quad racer, has his own racing team. Let me introduce you to Walker Fowler. Welcome to the show, Walker. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So, Walker, why don't you just first give us a little background on yourself here in uh, the area? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, born and raised uh, just outside of town, uh, technically a Rogers address, but I'm kind of between East Palestine and New Waterford. Uh, but I did, um, I've done all of my school in Columbiana, you know, K through 12. So that's pretty cool. My, my grandma lives in town here. Uh, my father has a trucking company just outside of town near Route 11 off uh, 46. So kind of born and raised right around here in Columbiana. That's great, and uh, we'll jump right into it. So you, you graduated from Columbiana in 2011, oh. and did you plan on doing full-time racing? I mean, of, of course at first, uh, when you're you know a four or five-year-old getting your first ATV or motorcycle, you think you're going to be you know the best of the best, and you're going to make it a job, and it's just, you know, it's no different than kids wanting to grow up and be professional any sports athlete baseball football soccer you know whatever it is that's your initial thought but then the uh the process of actually doing so is significantly more challenging there's a lot involved um you know a lot of people think at least especially for what i do that you just sit on a machine and turn the handlebars and push a throttle Mm -hmm. and it's significantly more involved it's like a two-hour bull ride (laughs) and it's uh you have to be, you know, in good shape, and there's a lot of training involved, a lot of eating healthy. So anyway, to get back to it, um, I started taking it pretty serious about age 12, and then I would say probably in what 10th or 11th grade, I started getting some pretty good sponsors, kind of getting hooked up with Yamaha initially, mm-hmm. and um, some of our uh, we had a long-term tire sponsor, uh, Maxxis Tires, that they had started to help me around that time so started seeing a little bit of you know help and it wasn't necessarily paying any bills but it was a lot of free product and stuff so I had the option to probably go to school and probably do something I was uh had a 3.96 GPA but I chose you know as as things progressed I kind of chose racing and right I was that involved already and I was starting to see a little bit of the perks of maybe making it making it or breaking it so Focused my efforts, got hooked up with the right people, and uh, 
yeah, I won my first um, semi-pro championship the year I graduated and started seeing some money come in. And then 2012 was full-on pro, pro class. Yeah, and when you when money comes in, you're you're excited. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, what? Yeah, how For this? How how can I race my four wheeler and and see a paycheck come in? Exactly. And it, it was cool. Right, I mean, literally in high school and then right out of high school. So. Oh yeah, that's that's perfect. Yep. And it, one of the things you said, you said that you had a, a three nine six. One thing that I have noticed in uh, at least in stock car racing is a lot of those guys they're very they're very intelligent they're you know they they they're studious and i think that that probably in a way helps because you're you've you've applied yourself in school you've done well in school now you use that same um the drive and will to to do well and, and study there to, to study your craft now yeah absolutely and like you said it's not necessarily um, about just applying yourself and and you know being able to put that work in day in and day out to achieve something you get that's definitely the fundamental building blocks is you know early school so school days but uh yeah definitely use it to perfect the craft like i said there's a lot of long days and a lot of um things that you have to be pretty go get them for i guess i don't know (laughs) right uh so you, you you touched on it, but uh, so how far back um, does it go before you you know when you first got involved into but uh, dirt bike and quad racing? Yep. So I got my first uh, ATV in 1996 for my fourth birthday, mm-hmm. which was definitely I don't remember much of those times, but uh, definitely the videos and pictures are hilarious. Uh, I did do I think two events um, in the probably November, right, shortly after I got it, and I rode it around a little bit, and I'm not saying I was any good at all, but apparently my parents thought I was good enough to go to a local race right in uh, Salem, Ohio, and Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't think it went well. You know, I I think I was out there, and I think it was cold, and I had cold fingers, and I cried the whole time, I'm pretty sure, and I I still don't like the cold, probably because of that. Right. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it goes clear back to there, and and I did a full full season in 1998, I believe. I think 1997, we kind of were hit and miss to see if it's something that I wanted to do. Sure. I didn't want to go that day. We didn't have to go. But I think from 1998 on, it's been wide open chasing not only the national series well we didn't run the national series in the early days we just ran several different local series Uh and you know chasing you know if we could race on saturday and sunday i think i got a motorcycle in 1998 so i rode atvs and dirt bikes so i would get off one literally get on the next one on the same day and sometimes multiple days so it's pretty wild (laughs) oh i'm sure it's wild and it but you can look back at those days to help start making you into the racer you are now. Definitely. Versus somebody who just raced one thing. Yep. And then, uh, so you're racing, you're having some fun, you're out there doing it, and you get an email or a phone call or a, a whatever, um, for your first your first sponsor, uh, who was that, and how did it feel to get 
a sponsor? I want to say probably around 2000 or 2001, just, you know, basically like flipping through the yellow pages, you'd flip through magazines and they would have phone numbers for random companies. And Mm -hmm. um, obviously the internet was pretty new then, but if you could get online, some places had websites, but I would say it was more so like magazines and uh, flipping through there. And I was like, oh man, we always use WD-40. And I was like, I didn't know they made soap. It's called Lava. Oh, okay. Every... Yeah, I know. So there's like a, they're the same people, whoever uh-huh. the parent company is. So we, uh, I don't know why, but we called them and, and told them, you know, what we did and that we raced. And I don't know if they just felt bad or thought it was cool, but right. this little box showed up. It was a, a 12 pack case of WD-40 and a bunch of Lava soap. And awesome. We actually still have some of the soap because we it like never. I don't know why we ever didn't use it, but we still have it. So it's pretty cool. It's like twenty, almost twenty-five year old soap. <laughs> right. So it's al- almost able to go into the Smithsonian. <laughs> yeah. Almost. Almost. But it was really cool. It showed up. It, it had uh, patches, so you could uh-huh. sew them on your race gear. And yeah. We, I don't think we ever did that because we just didn't know anybody that sewed, but. It was just cool that box showing up and it was like, wow, all I had to do was call somebody. And then obviously it was much more challenging after that. Right. You know, they, they gave me a lot of hope there. So it was like, <laughs> well, I can get anything. Yeah. And no, that's definitely not how it works. No. You, you know, when you call. Yeah. They're like, wait, who are you? And you're how old? <laughs> yeah. What? You want laced potato chips? Yeah. No, that's not what we yeah. do. But so. obviously racing is inherently expensive. Right. So as time goes on from the early 2000s the mid 2000s my parents were like hey you know maybe you really should try to get some help because anything would be good because this is expensive and the it way is. that we're doing it racing multiple machines mm-hmm. multiple days every single weekend it was it, it became pretty expensive so you uh you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take absolutely so we just started just just pumping you know mm-hmm. for sponsors just putting it out there and Started getting some help, like I said, some tire sponsor. Um, um, another, it used to be called uh, Decker Cycles back in the day, but now it's Point View mm-hmm. uh, over by White House Fruit Farm. Okay. And those guys actually helped me uh, pretty heavily on both the, the ATV and the motorcycle, even though they're just a motorcycle shop, they can get parts and stuff for other machines. Right. So sure. those guys were pretty pretty helpful in the early days, so that was cool. Um, racing gear. I got hooked up with a company called MSR, and they started, you know, same thing, two or three full kits for free. That saves you a couple hundred dollars sure. a piece right there. So. Oh, absolutely. So that was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah. So now you, you got some sponsors. Now you've won. I'm sure you had won before that point, but uh, so how'd that first win feel? Yeah. Um, I guess you just finally see the fruits of your labor. Um, you, you, what, even if there was only three or four kids that day, if the weather was bad or something, you still were there. You still competed and and you won. And then once you win, you're like, okay, wow. That I feel like it it felt better than I thought it would. And then it kind of goes away real quick. It's like a little flash in the pan thing. And then it kind of becomes an addiction. You're like, okay, I got to keep winning. I got to keep getting the bigger trophy and. Hey, if I went on both of these things in the same weekend, I can get two big trophies. So then, you know, that's kind of the child mindset of in the early stages. So 
seeing that and then obviously um my first pro win my first professional overall win i was actually in the semi-pro class um in our series they race all of the amateur a class so it's like the top tier mm -hmm. amateurs the semi-pros and the pro classes are on the track at the same time so i was in the semi-pro class that's called xc2 and uh it would have been i believe june of 2011 i got my first win and that was unreal i had to there was a, one of the pro class guys was uh, kind of retired showed up got a good start held the whole class up i caught them physically so i made up a minute time and uh i just rode with them all day and it was like how long can i hold on to these guys and then i never like they never dropped me and i was like oh my gosh i literally they can pull me by a minute and i can still win this thing right and the top couple guys ended up getting away from me the last the last lap but i knew i had plenty of time just coming through there and there was a pretty good crowd that day and it was wild it was so cool um just same thing like i actually had a facebook thing pop up from that would have been what nine or ten years ago uh-huh yeah that's and it was uh the, the over it was the sheet the they print out the results so like obviously people can view them right at the track mm -hmm. and just the names that are on there the people that i beat it was like wow like that's literally what i've always wanted to do and i finally did it hey, boom boom here you go yep and like I said, it's after that, it's literally an addiction. You're like that rush, that feeling, you feel like you're on top of the world. And then the next day it's like, you're right back to yeah. everyone's a level playing field again. And you're no better than anybody. You're chasing this. And now you're chasing again. it again. <laughs> uh, interviewing GNCC five-time champion Walker Fowler. You can find him on Instagram at Walker Fowler or um, Walker Fowler racing on Facebook. Yep. So how did the first you got the first win, which then wins, you know, once you get the first win, you're chasing the second win. But then once you start piling wins together, oh man, I might get a, I can get a championship. Yep. How'd that first championship feel? Um, the way it happened, it, it was going pretty well, you know, like you said, winning or getting podiums first and second, thirds, excuse me. Um, it was it was a good year. I had almost won it in 2014. Uh, we came into it's a 13 round series. We came into round 13 in a deadlock tie with another racer. At that point, I had one more win than um, Chris Boric, who was in second, mm -hmm. and he was a six time defending champion at that point, all six consecutive. Right. And uh, he was just unstoppable, but I kind of had found a chink in the armor and just kept going for it. And, and had, like I said, actually had piled up more wins than, than he did that year. So we go into the last round, completely deadlock tie. It was, uh, it was an insane race, just back and forth. Um, it's probably the most viewed race online and on TV. It mm -hmm. was, and we had probably 20,000 spectators in, in attendance that day. That's exciting. A, a bunch of like old legend racers like came out of the woodwork and, and showed up to watch it. It was a, it was a big deal. Wow. And I was leading the last lap, three corners to go, and I blew it. <laughs> I, I just went into a turn too fast, uh, left the inside wide open, and I became the corner basically. I, it was like a demolition derby at that point, and I lost it, and that I had to sit all winter long and how horrible that felt. Yeah. And then came out swinging in 2015. 
um, <clears throat> did a bunch of adjustments to you know my program and the machines and everything, and we put it all together. I had to get I had to get twelfth or better at the last race, the way the points worked out to win. And I rode around. It's a two-hour race. Mm -hmm. I rode around for an hour and thirty minutes in thirteenth place. <laughs> and I ended up getting uh, sixth, I think, that day. I just, just the nerves, like, like I said, all year I had been top five or better. A lot of wins, a lot of seconds, and I rode around in thirteenth. And I just, I could not. I just, no matter what I did, I was, I kept crashing. I kept hitting trees, kept getting lost. Yeah. And, and like, it's a pretty burned-in trail. Yeah. And I kept getting lost. Getting lost. <laughs> like yeah, my getting lost. Here's the here's the lit, lit, the lit path here. Let me go down this dark dreary one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um yeah, nerves. I had never done it. I never won right. it. And I already lost it once. Yeah. You know that, what it feels like to lose it. Yeah. That being that close and losing it. And I'm here I am doing it a second time. So I won it and I mean it felt good, of course, but it was like the biggest sigh of relief. Just like, oh God. Like you thank goodness. The I ring. Did. Yep. Yeah. And then, you know, the day, it didn't really hit me till probably a week later, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, just same thing, all the people that reached out and sponsors and then same thing, you know, looking through contracts and going, oh, wow, that's the championship bonus. I never thought I'd see that number. And it's yeah. like, oh, wow, like that, that check's going to come at once. Ooh, yeah. this is nice. <laughs> right. You're like, wait a minute. There's yeah. bonuses for not just winning, but winning the whole thing. Yeah. Awesome. And that, yeah, that's, and that's. Like you said, now we're just chasing that. Um, we've done it five times in a row now. We're working on number six. So I'm hoping number six happens. Yeah. Now you and I have had some conversations because I have the I have the pleasure of not just interviewing you but cutting your hair when you're up <laughs> here in Ohio. Um, and we, we had talked about there's an you get the East Coast series racers and you get West Coast series racers. This is for all you guys on Instagram, okay? All you followers of, of Walker. This is this is spe specifically for you guys. <clears throat> we were talking, wouldn't it be something to get the the top 10 from both sides to meet somewhere in the middle of the country and do a, a super like a super grand national uh, one-off race, you know, winner take all. I think it'd be fantastic. We need to we need to put it together. Yeah. So who's on the who's on the West Coast that you've got to get? They got to get you. They got to get their attention to racer wise. It's a it's a series called uh, Works, um, Western Off Road Racing. Mm -hmm. Something I'm not sure exactly yeah. what it is. But well, you don't race there. You don't yeah, race I don't race there. <laughs> but uh, there's a gentleman named Bo Barron. Uh, he is, which is a great racer name, by the way. Um, he's a veteran racer, multi-time champion. Uh, and that's who pretty much we'd be competing against. And he has come over and actually raced our series, and he's done quite well. Mm -hmm. So I kind of already know, you know, where the chips stack with him. And uh, there's a lot of young talent on that West Coast too. Another kid named Logan Huff, and um, some other guys that that would be tough. Yeah, their top their top five guys are no slouch, and our top five are no slouch. And honestly, like you said, top ten would be really cool. Um, I mean, twenty guys, ten from both sides of the. Yep, and I'm, country. I'm trying to think of a state that would that would be similar to both places. Like, because right. a lot of their tracks on the West Coast are kind of more high speed desert style, mm -hmm. and obviously in the East Coast we have a lot of the Appalachian Mountain hardcore mm. woods, rock, true. Mud. Yeah, yeah. So you have to find something that's a little bit of a little bit of yeah. both. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not even sure where that would be. <laughs> I'm sure 
they're somewhere, I'm sure. That needs to be figured out. So you guys on Instagram that are going to be listening to this, you, your homework, you have your homework. <clears throat> make it, you know, make it be. Um, so obviously winning a championship is hard. Winning five in a row is no small feat. Um, so what does the, the training regiment look like for you? Yep, so um, I usually run anywhere between four and seven miles. Not every day, probably four or five times a week. Um, cardio is super important in our in our racing for sure. Obviously, it's a it's a two hour race, sometimes three hours, uh, depending upon if it's we do a couple one off races that are a little bit longer, maybe based on distance instead of time. So, like I said, cardio is good. I, I hate swimming, but that's probably the single best thing. I, mm-hmm. just, I just don't like swimming. I sink like a rock. <laughs> you gotta keep moving. That's yeah. the key. Um, do some um, a lot of body weight training. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to be too bulky, so I do a lot of either body weight exercises or light lifting. Um, it's definitely important to have, like I said, lean lean muscle instead of just big heavy muscle. Um, I ride my ATV five times a week. For a minimum of an hour a day, mm-hmm. try to try to burn the tank of fuel out of it, which is closer to an hour and a half. And sometimes we do a mock race, um, do a pit stop and everything, and that'd be a two-hour. So, got to get the hands in shape on the handlebars. That's there's no better training than seat time. Um, sure. It just you know obviously it's it's tough to keep machines running that long every day. The the they take a lot of abuse, but the uh, the Yamaha YFZ450R is a tough machine, so it takes it. That's good. But uh, yeah, and then like like we had talked, uh, try to eat healthy, even though it seems like it's like a redneck sport, and you know you'd think that drinking <laughs> drinking Mountain Dew and eating Twinkies would probably be the best thing for foiler racing. It turns out it's you know it's no different than than anything. Um, it's a you got to be in shape and you got to eat healthy a lot of good greens um you know lean meats mm-hmm. chicken turkey fish a whole bit a lot of fruits yeah so you you talk about and i didn't even think about this pit stops pit so you stops. do pit stops during yep. the uh, race obviously um when needed i'm guessing yep um, NASCAR style pit stops uh, they have a we have a receiver it has like two springs and it has like these little slides no different than literally NASCAR it's a small version of the NASCAR uh, quick fill that, that yeah. they have we have a small little dump can that holds four gallons of fuel I think the NASCAR ones are eight or ten mm-hmm. it's um, not quite as heavy but obviously it's we don't need that much fuel right so um, we're only allowed four four gallon capacity on the machine um, and they usually can run more than an hour on one tank so but yeah uh, we pull in and honestly it just depends on conditions where you're at like position wise on the track pit stops can make or break a race sure I've won a lot of races in the pits and I've lost a lot of races in the pits uh, we usually like I said we try to pull in midway at the hour mark you get uh, probably three gallons of fuel pretty commonly a uh, new set of goggles and then usually if it's muddy we'll put something on the grips to try to wipe the mud off uh, someone's either if it's a dry day we use an air gun on the radiator from the backside to blow any grass or contaminants out mm-hmm. of the radiator that way the fan can do its job and if it's muddy we have a little um, portable uh, fire extinguisher like refillable fire extinguisher mm-hmm. we pressurize and use water 
kind of blow the radiator out but pull in like i said there's like four people probably doing jobs i'm mm-hmm. trying not to run anybody over yeah and the goal is to be in and out of there in under eight seconds and do all that wow so that's fast yeah and it's, nascar's fast yeah exactly and it's i think they're probably closer to six six seconds six to eight and we're my best is five and a half mm-hmm. my best pit stop is five and a half wow. seconds that's that's fast <laughs> it's it's pretty cool so just to do those things we're not talking about tires no, um, so we run a, and everyone is allowed to run a, a run flat system nowadays. Mm-hmm. So it's a company called Tire Balls, and they're like little, they look like in the rear tires, they look like little individual footballs. And there's mm-hmm. 13 of them in the tire in the front, they're more of like a softball size. Mm-hmm. So we don't actually have to change tires. If you get a flat, there's this basically cell system inside the tires that you just run on it. Like right. the military, it was actually designed for military. Right. Yeah. And um, it's that that part tire, changing tires used to be a big deal, and right. now we don't have that. Oh, that's good. Yep. <laughs> so <clears throat> now you live you live in Ohio. You're from Ohio, and since you know we only have part of a year, which leaves about four to six months of non-ideal weather <laughs> for your uh, for you to train and prep with. So what do you do? kind of training do you do in the winter months and where do you do that training yep so our season ends halloween weekend almost every year obviously this year with covid we we're going to run a little bit longer to make up Mm -hmm. our races but uh it takes some time off um usually till about christmas time and then right after the holiday i go down and go uh, to south florida um fortunate enough that uh, our family has a house down there and that that's pretty ideal obviously Mm -hmm. florida in the winter there's a reason everyone goes there goes there sure. beat uh you know becomes a snowbird so i feel like i'm one of the younger snowbirds <laughs> <laughs> i bet and uh yeah it provides a great opportunity to um train and, and do everything i do in ohio just a lot further it's about 1200 miles so um it's sand it's a lot different terrain it's a lot more flat but yeah weather wise condition wise it's significantly more ideal than muddy sloppy snow and sadness dreary <laughs> this is very true yes like kind of like today's weather yes um, uh, so racing and or well prepping and doing your your training in that in two different areas um so then the, the interesting question that people may wonder is how many quads do you have they are let's see how many are there I think there's like seven. We build four machines to do the, the national circuit. Mm-hmm. And then I have uh, an ATV that lives in, in Florida full time. And I have a couple of practice bikes up here. Actually, so it's probably more like eight total. Yeah. I have uh, my first championship four-wheeler sits up on a shelf, right? not touching it. And I would have liked to have kept all of them. And then- That's a little bit. Yeah, the, our goal was is to win 10 championships straight. Mm-hmm. And I don't have room for ten four wheelers that I'm not riding. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. When when we get to the Walker Fowler Museum one day, when we have the the lava soap in, in yeah. the first quad, yep. yeah, yeah. So that, that's different. So yeah, there's I believe there's eight machines, um, and then we have a couple of tr- you know trail toys. Um, I have a side by side that I do some track work with. Um, my mom has one, so. There's a lot of a lot of four wheeled off road toys. Yeah. 
So we know about you. We know how you got started. Um, so what do you tell a young person out there that wants to get into quad or, or dirt, dirt bike racing? Um, to, to have fun with it for the, right out of the gate. Um, you can't make it. You, even if you ex- want it or expect it to be a job at some point, you really need to just treat it as a hobby, treat it as fun, mm-hmm. enjoy yourself because um, you don't want to get burned out. I think I see I see way too many people like just screaming at their children and pushing their kids and right. and that kid they don't want nothing to do with it now. Exactly. So um I think that's important obviously like I said having fun and then uh you know as they progress and if they believe it's something that they can do uh they they really need to try to take it serious I guess because it is expensive um go out there find those sponsors find anybody that's willing to help you you know, and you know, apply themselves. Don't expect your parents to, to yeah. dish out 100% everything. You've got to sure. earn your keep as well. Absolutely. So, and that's more than just going out there and racing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, help, even if, you know, if you don't have any sponsors, help your parent or whoever, guardian, whoever it is, help maintain your machine. Learn how to do a lot of the mechanic work yourself. You mm-hmm. can save a lot of money doing anything you can do yourself. You can save a lot of time and money. And it's good to know on the trail, if something happens, you might know how to fix it. Right. Or you might be able to get help and know, you know, it can get you out of a lot of things. No different sure. than being able to work on your car and if you're yeah. stranded on the side of the road. Exactly. It teaches a lot of life lessons too. Absolutely. Responsibility, you know, it's like having a, it's like having a pet, you gotta steal a horse, you gotta keep it running, you gotta keep it fed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do. So, yeah, I mean, but most importantly for kids, have fun. Wear the protective gear. I'm a, I am a um, safety advocate. No matter what, absolutely, if you are even thinking about getting on a bicycle, a motorcycle, an ATV, put a helmet on. I can't stand seeing people and, and kids, especially if there's adults with their kids and none of them have a helmet on. Right. I just I know too many people and I've had too many experiences myself that people that should have had their helmet on that are have major issues now in life or times that I've had my helmet on and had a huge crash. Right. And it would have been so much worse had I not had the helmet on. Uh, aside from that, they make um, neck braces now that have that are starting to save a lot of lives and a lot of bigger injuries. Sure. Um, chest protection. Uh, boots, you know, high, our, our boots are basically just below the knee. A lot of, that saves a lot of ankles and, you know, fingers and toes uh, with, with good gloves, good boots. Um, and obviously, like I said, uh, knee protection. I mean, the, all the protection is there. Yeah. And it is cheap insurance to buy the gear and, and wear it than to, than to not and have to pay those medical bills or right. be debilitated the rest of your life. Sure. Well, that's, that's good. That's, that's important. Yeah. Uh, anything you do, you know, they make protective gear. Um, you know, a lot of people, they, they don't know what goes into your quad racing and dirt bike racing, but they see NASCAR and just in the last 20 years, how much, how far along NASCAR's come yeah, in, with the safety in safety. Equipment. So it is important um, because what we, you know, what we all see it is, you know, they're, they're stronger, faster. Um, individual people and then with that you get faster you, you know you're going faster out there on the on the trail or racing whatever it is you do and when those things happen the dynamics of an accident get 
much much worse where there's a lot more chance of a, a problem yep. so yep. it is very important very very important to wear your protective gear especially helmets folks yep. you got to protect the brain yeah a, a $400 helmet can tech can definitely protect a multi-million dollar brain absolutely <laughs> um, so what's racing in our area look like now um it's actually coming around compared to a couple years ago. Uh, our local series right here in Northeast Ohio, um, kind of the tri-state area, is uh, it's called uh, CRA, Competition Riders of America. That is where I got my start. The website is racecra.org. And uh, they race most Sundays from mid-March through the first weekend in December. Uh, so there's probably 30 some odd races. You have a lot of opportunity. Um, they race uh, Hubbard, Mansfield, East Palestine. Um, trying to think. Coshocton, uh, in Pennsylvania, um, New Philly, Ohio, a couple other places. But uh, you know it's pretty pretty local for our area. Right. Um, and uh, oh Lisbon there's a track in Lisbon that, that runs that circuit so there's a lot of good opportunities probably 10 or 12 different tracks that run in that series and all local and you can uh, I would say anywhere from probably two or three hundred motorcycles and uh, you know one or two hundred four-wheelers on a weekend especially mm -hmm. in the in the earlier races as the year goes on the numbers get a little lower because right. you know people lose interest but right that's with anything well everybody thinks through the <laughs> they're they're going to come in and just be that uh yeah um what's the word I'm looking for the uh, the unicorn of the year yeah just boom here we go it doesn't always work out <laughs> no not when you got a lot of people yeah. trying to do that but yeah our local scene is pretty good so that's that's reassuring there's starting to be a lot more kids racing which is really reassuring um, yeah we had a we we had some lower youth numbers for a while there and if the kids aren't getting involved there's not much hope for the future of the sport and we really are starting to see uh, an increase in, in youth attendance and uh, youth sales. Mm -hmm. um, Yamaha sells actually can't keep a, a, a youth unit on the on the floor whether it's a, a motorcycle or an ATV. Mm -hmm. They're just selling like hotcakes right now so parents thank you so much for purchasing Yamaha products. <laughs> <laughs> much appreciated. Yeah. Uh, what's uh, your the rest of your race schedule? look like moving forward yeah so our gncc uh, the grand national cross country series picks back up uh saturday oh gosh what is that the, is that the 15th 12th 12th oh yeah 12th saturday september 12th a couple days from now mm -hmm. and that is in beckley west virginia at the uh, boy scout headquarters right by new river gorge okay so about a five hour trip um it's a new facility last year. I got third. I was winning most of the race and I ended up having a, a log come through the front of the four-wheeler and about kill me. <laughs> it, it harpooned, it blew the plastic off the front of the bike, almost got the radiator, and I had to flip the machine upside down, pull this log out, lost like a minute, and uh, I think I was in seventh place. I crawled back to third and that's all I had. So I'm hoping uh, for a little redemption this year. Yeah. Um, let's see, and then we have a race in Athens, Ohio, uh, September 26th. 
Um, that'll be our second race at that particular property this year. Mm -hmm. Again, COVID has really messed up our series, so right. they're just kind of racing wherever we can. Uh, we have a race in October 10th at uh, Mount Morris, Pennsylvania. It's off of Route 79 between, um, where is that, the Ohio, Pennsylvania, no, the Pennsylvania, West Virginia border. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that one's actually probably our closest race. That's uh, about two hours, 15 minutes. We go to uh, Crawfordsville, Indiana, uh, October 24th. And that usually is our finale. It's, uh, it's a really great facility, probably an eight-hour trip or so, so I don't expect anyone to <laughs> drive out to that one. Never and know. then our last race is uh, November 7th, and we have no idea where it is. Awesome. <laughs> I, that's a, that sounds like a great place. Yep. It's no idea. Kind. We yeah. assume it's going to be in the south. Yeah. Probably going a little more south yeah. by that point. Carolinas, Georgia, mm -hmm. somewhere where it's not going to snow. <laughs> yeah, because you, you, there is that potential. Once you hit Halloween up yeah. here, you, know, you just don't know what it's going to do. Yeah. So, yeah, we have five rounds remaining. Um, currently leading our points, our national points, um, by 61, which actually is pretty great. Uh, a win uh, is worth 30 points. So I'm technically two full races plus one point ahead, which is good. Mm -hmm. That gives you an opportunity for uh, if you have a mechanical failure, if you have illness, if you have a bad day, mm -hmm. you have uh, a nice cushion to work with. So right. as long as, uh, knock on wood, as long as nothing uh, dramatic happens, we should be able to wrap up title number six straight. Right, so that answers the last question. Are you yeah. gonna? Are you winning the championship this year? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to say yes, but uh, you don't count chickens before they hatch. So That's very true. I'm, I'm gonna keep racing, and I'm gonna keep, uh, you know, riding and and fighting like someone's trying to steal my firstborn child, <laughs> which I don't have yet. Right? No, he, he does not. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it's kind of a. Odd. Yeah, it's all, it's all good. It's, it's we're, we're we're here ready to wrap up. That's when you know it's things start to fall apart. It's like all right, well, um, so interviewing today, uh, GNCC five time champion Walker Fowler. You can find him on Instagram at Walker Fowler on uh, Facebook Walker Fowler Racing, and through all of the uh, Yamaha site, uh, GNCC, and the, the racing sites, you'll you can find him his profile and. Uh, so just thank you to Dave for stopping in, taking some time out of your schedule. I know uh, getting back into race week, uh, it gets busy, I'm sure. So I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, yep. thank you for having me and uh, look forward to possibly doing it again. Maybe after we win, we'll have to jump back on here and be a guest again. There you go. I, champions will be are always welcome. Um, so until next time, we appreciate you all listening. All those people on Instagram there that follow Walker, I hope you enjoyed this interview, and uh, until next time, Columbiana. You can find Columbiana Hot Talk on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, and iHeartMusic, or online at www.columbianahottalk.com. You can email us at jacob at columbianahottalk.com. Remember, columbianahottalk.com.